Well, good morning, Elevation. And before I say anything more, let me just say thank you to Noah for doing such a great job with the reading this morning, for telling us the story of Moses in Exodus chapter three. It was a little bit of a tricky one. There were a number of ites in a row in there, and I think Noah knocked it out of the park. This summer, we are telling a lot of stories from the Old Testament of our Bible in a series called Nine Stories of Fear and Desire. We're using the Enneagram model of personality as a jumping off point as we learn about how we move in the world and what God wants to reveal to us along the way. So as I've been doing the last few weeks, I'm going to talk to our kids for a moment and give you an activity to do during the course of the sermon this morning for those of you who are sticking with us. So I'm going to invite you to take a piece of paper or whatever you got in front of you and draw a picture of your family. Your family is whoever you love, the people you see on a regular basis. You can include whoever you want in that picture. So I'm going to put you to work drawing a picture of your family and we'll come back to that in a little while. So our story this morning is in Exodus chapter 3 and it begins this way. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. Last weekend, Melissa and I got together with some longtime friends for, a, for an event known as social dining. Basically, someone who is a really good cook opens up their home and lets you come and eat a meal together in their home. Now, of course, given the COVID restrictions, we weren't actually in her home, um, but we were in the beautiful setting out in her side yard, uh, distance from one another at a long table, eating some delicious food, much of which I wouldn't, wasn't even sure what I was eating, to be quite honest. But it was a great time. And it was a great time in part because we were sitting around the table with longtime friends, people we have been friends with, many of them since we were in high school, since we were our own kid's age. And there's just something about people who know the whole story of your life, isn't there? Not just who you are in this present moment, but where you've come from, too. Moses may have been tending his father-in-law's flocks in Midian, but it was a long and winding journey that led him to that place. And if we don't take the time to go back to understand where he'd already been, we'll miss the significance of what comes next. The first book in the Bible is Genesis. The second book is Exodus. So our reading comes from the second book, but actually the beginning of the story is at the tail end of Genesis, where the Israelites settle in Egypt at the tail end of a seven year long famine. Now, when they settled in Egypt, the number of Israelites started to grow and it started to grow even more. And this was seen as a threat by Pharaoh, the leader of the nation of Egypt, obviously. Um, and Pharaoh's response to this was to engage the Israelites in forced labor as a way of kind of suppressing their growth. But the Bible says, the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. So Pharaoh had to do something else here. He decided that he would have the midwives who were helping deliver the babies kill all of the baby boys. But of course, the Hebrew midwives wanted nothing to do with that. So they came up with all kinds of ways to avoid that um, edict, if you will. Then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people, not just the, the midwives, but all of the Egyptians, that every Hebrew boy that is born, you must throw into the Nile, but let every girl live. So as a baby, Moses was placed in a basket by his mother in order to avoid Pharaoh's wrath and in order to avoid someone taking him and throwing him into the Nile to his death. So he's placed in this basket and floated down the Nile River. Fortunately, he was found, but 
In the moment, perhaps it was a risky find because it was actually Pharaoh's daughter who found him, but she had compassion on this child. At that time, Moses' older sister happened to be kind of watching from a distance and came up to Pharaoh's daughter and said, would you like me to find one of the Hebrew women who would nurse the baby and take care of him while he's young? And Pharaoh's daughter said, that sounds like a great idea. And so Moses' sister took little Moses home to his mother where he was cared for during the early years of his life. But when the child grew older, we read in Exodus 2 verse 10, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. She named him Moses saying, I drew him out of the water. Well, time passed, Moses grew up. And at one point in time, Moses witnessed the abuse of one of the Hebrew slaves at the hands of an Egyptian. He attacked the Egyptian and ended up killing him. He tried to hide his crime, burying the Egyptian in the sand. But later on, it was discovered that he was the one who committed this crime. And so Pharaoh put up basically a price on his head. He said, we gotta hunt this guy down. So Moses fled Egypt. And it's there where he met a kind of a tribe of people that he wasn't familiar with. He helped some young women out and then their father rewarded him by giving Moses the, one of his daughter's hands in marriage. Her name was Zipporah. And after a time, Zipporah gave birth to a son and Moses named him Gershom saying, I have become a foreigner in a foreign land. So that's the background to this morning's reading. And so kids, here's what I want you to do. Now you may not be done drawing the portrait of your family yet, and that's okay. If you're not, you can take some more time. But when you're done, I want either you or a grown-up to cut the picture apart. Not to destroy it, but like a puzzle. I want you to take that, pu that puzzle and kind of separate those pieces because that's kind of how Moses was feeling. Like he didn't belong anywhere. Like he was no one when he was disconnected from all of his family. Let me think about it. As chapter three begins, Moses is a foreigner in a foreign land. That's how he feels. That's what he names his son. He was a Hebrew, raised as an Egyptian, now living in exile in Midian. You got to think that one of the questions that Moses was asking on a regular basis must have been, who am I? Am I a Hebrew? And I am, a, am I an Egyptian? Am I a Midianite? Who am I? It's a question that every one of us has to work through at various stages of our life, right? When we're adolescents and young adults, especially, this is an important question. But as I've discovered, at least through middle age or whatever you call the stage I'm in right now, uh, it's a question that continues to surface. Who am I? But just as Moses' drifting baby basket found its way back to his mother, Moses' drifting life found its way back to God, the God who had never once let Moses out of sight. It's like the lyrics we sang this morning, no matter where we've been, no matter what we've done, we can't escape God's love. Well, the reading continues, Exodus 3, verses 2 to 3. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. Over the past uh, few days, our family has started watching a new show together. It's not a new show. It's a new show for us. Um, many of you who were watching cable television in the 2000s would have been watching the show Lost every Wednesday night. And every Thursday morning, everyone was talking about the, the crazy things that were happening in this episode. Well, when I was reading about the story of Moses finding this burning bush, this bush that was on fire, but that wasn't actually being consumed by the fire, and watching this show with our kids, um, I was thinking about how this is basically a scene right out of Lost. Um, so many times during the first few episodes we've watched, the kids are like, what's going on? What is that? How did that happen? What's happening here? And I said, you're going to be asking that question 
every episode until we get through all six seasons. So this is essentially what's happening. Moses sees something. He's like, what is happening? This doesn't seem to make any sense. And so he goes to check out what's going on. We read about it in Exodus 3 verses 4 to 6. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face, because he was afraid to look at God. Well, God goes on to explain his plan to bring the Hebrew people out of slavery in Egypt, and he kind of caps off his speech out of the burning bush with this. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? We're talking about the Enneagram this summer, and this morning's number is four. The basic fear of a four is of being insignificant, of having no personal identity, kind of like the earthworms that Susan was talking about earlier, where no one knows their names, no one knows anything about them. That's the fear of a four. Fours are the type most likely to give in to feelings of inadequacy, feelings like they're not good enough. And so Moses' concerns shift in one sense from questions about identity, who am I, to questions about significance, who am I? Have you ever been there? I'm sure that you have. And in fact, maybe you're there right now. On our prayer call this past week, Patricia prayed something that I thought was really significant. She was praying for people whose insecurities have been rising during this COVID-19 lockdown. People who might feel insecure or insignificant, possibly because they feel a reduced value. Maybe people who've been laid off from work or people who just don't have the same role that they had in life uh, four or five months ago. People who are struggling to provide, maybe for their family, for their loved ones, uh, and they feel insignificant because they can't contribute the way they want to. Or people who just feel um, insecure about the future as a whole, not being able to, to make the kind of plans that we would normally make. So it's not just fours that have these kinds of experiences, especially during trying times like we're in right now. But fours typically have problems with negative self-image and chronically low self-esteem. But here's the thing. Henry Blackaby wrote a popular book called Experiencing God a number of years ago. It's a really good book, and he essentially uses this story of Moses' encounter with God as a way to help us understand how we can experience God ourselves. He has this great line. He says, when you believe that nothing significant can happen through you, you have said more about your belief in God than you have said about yourself. Let me just read that last bit again. You have said more about your belief in God than you have said about yourself. So Moses asked God, he says, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? And I just love God's response. The next line, God said, I will be with you. He doesn't even answer his question. Moses wonders, like, am I, what, I'm too insignificant for this task. And God says, well, I'll be with you. Now, a little while ago here, I showed you a picture of Moses approaching the burning bush. And I found it online. And when I went to grab the image from online, I discovered something interesting. The website that I found this image on was actually um, selling different products that you would take a piece of art and have that art put on a piece of product. And so the clip that I actually showed was of a beach towel. And I thought to myself, well, what a strange thing. Who would make a custom beach towel with a picture of Moses kneeling before the burning bush? It just seems a little strange. 
But then at the bottom of the website, I saw some examples of other beach towels that you could order, including this one. This is a picture that took place just a little later than the story of the burning bush, where the Egyptian army is being flooded by the waters of the Red Sea. You see, God actually used Moses to lead the nation of Israel across the Red Sea on dry ground. And as soon as the Egyptian army came chasing after them uh, to bring them back into slavery, God sent the waters crashing back down on their army. So I'm just wondering who is going to order this piece of art uh, as a beach towel. Like imagine being at a beach and you see someone like, you know, drying their back with something like that. It's this picture of mass destruction. I don't understand it. But I use that as an example because the story of the Red Sea and this crossing and actually going through with this thing that God talked about, well, Moses knew none of that during the moment in the encounter at the burning bush. He didn't know what would happen in Egypt when he confronted Pharaoh, and he didn't know what would happen. Would the Israelites actually be able to be released from slavery? All he knew was that he was seriously underqualified for the task of confronting Pharaoh and equally unlikely to succeed in convincing his fellow Israelites to follow his lead. Exodus 3 verse 13 to 14, Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. Now, as we've already seen in both Moses and in his son Gershom, a name can be a way of labeling, of defining. Moses' name means drawn out of the water. Gershom meant a foreigner in a foreign land. But God wants nothing to do with either of those labels. Have you ever noticed how easy it is to let people who have all kinds of identity issues themselves define our identity? It could be parents, coworkers, friends, siblings, even personal heroes of ours. We allow other people to define who we are. But Moses' encounter with God reminds us that the only one who can truly speak to our identity is the one who reveals himself as the all-sufficient I am. From another of the songs that we sang this morning, I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. Lyrics like those are important. It's an important reminder that our identity is not wrapped up in what other people think about us and not even really what we think about ourselves but most importantly is understood as who God says that we are. Now kids, or grown-ups who decided to do this picture exercise with me, you've got a picture of your family and we've cut it up into little puzzle pieces and separated it because Moses felt separated from all of his family and he felt insignificant, like he didn't really matter. Now what we're gonna do is put that puzzle back together. You might need some tape or some glue, so you might need a little help with that, but we're gonna put that picture back together as a reminder that you are important and that each person in the picture helps to make the picture whole. Without you, the picture wouldn't be the same, would it? It wouldn't be complete. Did you know that you're also an important part of your church family? You're also an important part of your school family and of your neighborhood. You play an important role in all of these places and for all of these people because you are important to God. Now, as the kids are putting those pictures back together, I just want to reflect on something really exciting about this past week. After months and months of being shut down, 
Major League Baseball is back. Uh, it's going to be different. It's a short little season, but I am so exciting, uh, excited to be watching baseball on TV again. It's just it's so thrilling to me. Um, but right before the season started, there was something really cool in the news, and I wanted to share this with you. Uh, a woman named Alyssa Nacken, who is Major League Baseball's first full-time female coach, got to coach first base in a game, an exhibition game, but it was a, the first time anyone had done this. And it's an exciting thing. And uh, they interviewed her after the fact and they kind of talked about like, what does it mean to you um, to be the first female full-time coach and to be out there coaching on a baseball field? She said, I'm excited that now girls can see there is a job on the field in baseball. It's really cool. I think it's a great story. And I think it ties in really well to what we're talking about this morning. It's like she's saying who I am shows you who you can be. And this is what God is saying to Moses too. God is saying, who I am shows you who you can be. Don't focus on the barriers. Don't focus on the odds. Don't focus on your shortcomings. Focus on me. Leonard Sweet writes that the importance of a narrative compass for identity formation cannot be emphasized enough. The words author and authority are more than similar. Whoever you allow to author your story is your authority. This is one of the reasons that in our call to worship every week, we talk about gathering and orienting ourselves around the story of Jesus. Hebrews 12, 2 refers to Jesus as the author and perfecter of our faith. Who are we going to allow to write the story of our lives? Who is the author who has authority to define who we are and how significant or insignificant we are? The challenge is to let Jesus be that person. This morning, we're going to celebrate communion in our homes, around our city, around the world. It's exciting to be able to do this. I wish we could do it in person, and the time will come when we'll get to do that. But for now, I want you to remember that even though you're in your home on your own, you're not alone this morning. We're going to share in the Lord's Supper together. So hopefully you have some bread and some juice together. Uh, I'm going to read a passage uh, from the New Testament to introduce this. And then I'm going to share some words in closing and pray together. And after I've prayed, uh, we're going to have a song that will close our service. So as that song begins, I would invite you to partake in the bread and the juice together. At the end of the song, we're going to dismiss, as we always do, to our neighbors groups from some post-service discussion. If you haven't joined a neighbors group in the past and you'd like to, there'll be a link in the comments section right now. And you can hop on with the group that I'll be hosting, actually. So the reading comes from 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23 to 24. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And he gave thanks. He broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. This morning, I want us to think about the fact that God wouldn't have sent his one and only son, that Jesus would not have laid down his life for someone who was insignificant, for someone whose identity didn't matter. You are significant. I am significant. Your identity does matter and my identity does matter. Christ laid his life down for all of us. Ruth Haley Barton writes, you might think that your woundedness or your sinfulness is the truest thing about you, or that your giftedness, or your personality type, or your job title, or your identity as husband or wife, mother or father somehow defines you. But in reality, 
It is your desire for God and your capacity to reach for more of God than you have right now. That is the deepest essence of who you are. The story of our lives will never be quite as dramatic as Moses, but each of us has our own long and winding journey to make. And today that journey has led us to the cross. Let us pray. Lord, I give thanks for stories. Stories like the one of Moses encountering this strange burning bush. He didn't know what it was, but what he discovered was you. He discovered you. And even though he had questions about who he was and, and how significant or insignificant his life was at that time, you revealed yourself as the one who is, as God, present with him. And that you were enough for him to do whatever it was that you had called him to. And God, I ask that that story would echo in our hearts today as we share in these elements of communion, as we remember that your life was given, that your body was broken, that your blood was shed for us. I pray that we would receive that and know that you are present with us as we walk through life day by day. In Christ's name, amen.